two, one. Hello, folks, and welcome back to another edition of Humanistic Perspective. I am so fortunate this week to have an amazing guest joining me. I am personally stoked for this episode, and I cannot wait for it. Folks, today I have on a new Kill Tony regular, an amazing comedian, an up-and-comer. He's killing the game. I have Hans Kim joining me today. Hans, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I wanted to start the episode by going back. What is your adolescent life like? Could you take me through your upbringing? What is childhood like? Where are you raising? What's going on? Well, I was born in New Jersey to Korean immigrant parents, and I didn't speak English until I went to preschool or kindergarten. And so I guess it's my technically my second language, but I'm most comfortable with English. And then I grew up till I was seven in New Jersey. And then my dad uh, was in college and a graduate mathematics program at Rutgers or Princeton or something. And then we moved Shit, to man. Microsoft. Yeah, I think he had some relation with Princeton, but I think it was mainly Rutgers. Okay. But uh, he, he moved to Seattle and we moved with him uh, because he got a job at Microsoft being a mathematician, doing math for them. And he like won some award. He's like uh, the Fulkerson oh, Prize. He's on Wikipedia doing math. Oh, shit. Yeah, I found that, like. <laughs> Are you? Do you have any to... of those innate skills yourself? You pretty math math handy. Um, I guess so. I mean, I I took a lot of math classes and stuff. So my dad taught me a lot of math. Uh, yeah. So I uh, I love math. You know, I think there's beauty in it and stuff um facts so, i totally get that. <laughs> how about your mother what yeah. was what was that like she was uh she was like a housewife for most of my childhood and then she recently started teaching children math so it's a very math oriented house yeah wow uh, how was the uh yeah. How was the social upbringing? Were your parents like, go pursue your dreams? Were you thinking about doing comedy? What was your headspace like as you were a child? It was like typical Asian household. Hmm. Um, like we had an emphasis on, you know, studying and stuff and scholastics, school. Uh, and then like whatever I want to do after that is like up to me. But it was like very much... Uh, Korean traditional background with a little hint of American uh, freedoms. Mm. So it was like a real uh, good mix, in my opinion, of like that immigrant mentality mixed with uh, uh, American uh, first world creativity and pursuit of uh, your passions and uh, finding out who you are individually. So I think they uh, had a good mix of both, but obviously they're more leaning towards the Korean side. Because uh, that's what they were brought up with as well. Sure. From your childhood, I know I'm personally, I'm uh, half Colombian. My dad is also an immigrant himself. Um, and I just love growing up in the household, the food, that. What about the culture in your household, Korean-wise, was your favorite? Uh, the food was good. The uh, discipline was good. Uh, doing things that I didn't want to do over and over again, uh, I think was good. Uh, it was a good practice. Uh, yeah. It was just like a fucking uh, a, a, a habit. Like whatever you don't want to do, you have to do it and do a lot of it. So I think no that was, uh, I mean, it, it probably wasn't exactly like that, but it felt like that. Like whatever is sure. boring and tedious, uh, that's something that we had to get good at. Uh, and uh, the... Yeah, I guess the discipline and, and the tenacity and the uh, willingness to work hard is one of the best things I got from my Korean traditional upbringing. Sure. So you went to high school in Seattle, correct? Yes. All right. And during that time, were you in theater, the arts? Were you thinking about pursuing comedy? Were you planning on going to college? Sort of what was what was the trajectory like there? I had no idea I wanted to do comedy. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just was trying to do good in school so I could have like a normal, real job. 
but I was in the jazz band. I was in the wind ensemble and I played trumpet and yeah. occasionally I go up and tell jokes. I'd perform. I was, uh, I enjoyed soloing in the jazz band. So, yeah. I mean, maybe there was a little bit of a performer instinct in me. Sure. Uh, but then, I, yeah. So I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do until after college. Okay. So where did you end up going to school? I'm, so I'm assuming you got great grades. You could probably pick any school you want to. What what was your choice? I got like average grades, 3.76 GPA. Uh, I went to Georgia Tech. Literally out here by me, that's actually fairly high. <laughs> yeah, it's a good school. It's the MIT of the South, they like to say. Okay. Um, but yeah, I uh, went to Georgia Tech and uh did four years graduated got suspended one semester for shoplifting no uh, how hans take me through that what how, how does that occur? <laughs> um i was uh in school and i felt guilty about having my parents pay for my education and my housing and board and it felt like useless mm -hmm. and i needed to feel like i was uh able to provide for myself just like so that i have some sort of self-resilience uh and self-worth or whatever so then i uh went into stores and i would like steal things and sell them on ebay and uh uh yeah i, I used to have a job at subway but it's like why would i pay i mean what would i sign up for wage slavery it seems like the worst way to make money yeah so i just started stealing stuff and selling it what was uh, like your most prized possession that you took <laughs> I had like this thing, like a wireless charging thing. Like you could just put your phone on it and charge it. It's still like electric shavers. Okay. Um, what were you making? How was your profit? Good turnarounds? No, <laughs> I basically just stole whatever I needed. And then like for extra, I would steal like expensive stuff. Uh, but usually it was, I would just go to the store and be like, oh, I want that. Put that in my bag and then just walk out with it. Savage. And you never like, did you like the adrenaline rush at some point? Was was there any part of you that was like, I know this is wrong, but like, I actually am starting to enjoy this. Yeah, it was like I was in a heist movie and like, <laughs> I had to be aware of my surroundings and picture in the moment. Uh, but yeah, obviously, not the best way to steal. If you're going to steal, uh, it's better to do it in, in a corporate setting, in my opinion. <laughs> There you go, folks. If you're gonna steal in the corporate settings away, um, <laughs> did you set up? Did you ever do any open mics in college or anything like that? No, really? I didn't even know I wanted to do it until after college. Serious? Yeah, wow. I was in the marching band. I was during, just trying during to find college. Yeah. yeah, you were just trying to figure it out. I personally, my my freshman to sophomore year, I had a huge like existential crisis on like who I am. Am I depressed? What am I going through? Did you have any of those personal emotional adversities during your college times? Yeah, definitely. Especially since the school was so hard. It's like, do I really want to do this? I'm not even getting good grades. I'm not even good at this. Why would I want to do it? Um, yeah. And it was really depressing because it's like, this is uh, my life and I'm bad at my life. But uh turns out it's all bullshit and you don't need right. to know any of it. Uh, but yeah. I freaking love that. I'm just glad to be done with it. Yeah. So what during that time, like what helped you get through those points or get past that? Like how did you how did you get overcome that adversity? Probably marijuana helped. Uh, it was a cool experience and it made me feel happy, even if I wasn't happy. Um, sure. and it, it was like a trip. It's like when you first do marijuana, it's like doing acid. Yeah. So you're just like, holy shit, man. I, uh, so I that, totally that helps distract that. me. Yeah. What's Did your... you start in college or? No, we. I started consuming cannabis when I was 14, which was fairly <laughs> young for me. But I live out, we're out in Illinois, so we have legal cannabis here, which is really nice. And still still a consumer myself on occasions which is which is fun but uh what was your go-to way how what, what was it like you were were you a a flower guy a wax guy edibles this was in like 28 to 2008 or 2010 okay so it wasn't that advanced yet <laughs> um we just had flowers and we had like a gatorade bottle 
okay. that we cut the bottom off of and we put it in water. You guys we are put ratchet the gravity bongs. Yeah. Dude, it was the best way to do it. Even now, like I would still do it because you don't even have to breathe in the, the fire. Sure, sure. And if you put ice in the water, yeah, oh, and you can make it nice. like perfectly sized, just slightly larger than the, the Gatorade bottle. Yeah. Um, I had a, uh, yeah, that was my 20th birthday. We did that same thing, but we used uh, like the Home Depot buckets. That was, <laughs> that was, that was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So your, put a little, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to describe how to make one. Do you, want, do you want to describe for people how to make one? No, not really. I mean, you can look it up. I mean, yeah, nowadays, exactly. everyone, weed's legal, so. Right. You can find a way. You just somewhere. buy a bong. <laughs> Literally. So out of, at leaving college, do you move right to Texas? Where do you go? Do you want to become a nomad? Do you want to settle down, get a job? Where was your headspace then? I uh, graduated college and then I was like, I have to get a job. That's what everyone's doing. So I did an internship for six months at this uh, roller conveyor manufacturing company uh, in Newton, Georgia for six months doing nothing. Like they didn't assign me any work. Maybe they could. For six months? That I wasn't going to do anything. Yeah. I was just sitting on my ass uh, getting paid minimum wage. And then uh, it was a hang, though. There were these German exchange students because it's a German company. Okay. So we, I would hang out with the Germans and we would party because they, they were like so fascinated that they were in America. We went to New Orleans. We would go to Atlanta all the time. Wow. So it was like fun to live vicariously through them. What did you notice was different about their experience in America versus like the one that you were living just because you lived here? They were like excited to go to places like oh my god we're in new orleans like this is like a famous city people talk about it sure. and it's just like oh the, the, we live in a special place uh yeah that everyone else knows about because of our movies and mm-hmm. our propaganda but uh yeah so it, it was uh it's cool to get to know america through their eyes sure what was uh what was your favorite part of New Orleans and visiting on that trip? Do you have a recollection of a, of a specific event? Uh, I, we went to Bourbon Street and we did some grinding on some honeys, oh, uh, some sexual dancing. That, that reminds me, then, I just saw on your freaking uh, your Instagram, you had a pretty wild set there <laughs> the other night. <laughs> yeah, last night was crazy. I just woke up at like 2 p.m central time oh that's why i was drinking way too much oh i love that i say i'm in actually a similar boat last night my buddy eric took me out for my birthday so we're both feeling that one (laughs) nice is your birthday happy birthday thank you thank you man i turned 22 so just i honestly nothing feels different i still have back pain i'm still living (laughs) (laughs) damn uh, so what what happened last night with that set? Was that was it, first off? Do you have a girlfriend, or was that just freaking someone in the audience? <laughs> that was a random person in the audience. How, how did the set get there? So they were asking me about my love life, mm-hmm. and then they were asking me about this girl that I took to a strip club, and they were like, "What's happening with her?" And I was like, "Oh, she hates me." And they're like, "Does anyone want to make out with Hans?" And uh, then uh, then some lady came up and I, we started making out. And uh, then they were like, what's her name? What's her crusher's name? The comedian that you're trying to date. And then I told them her name. And then she came up. And then no way. it was just like, she was like, I hate Hans. Hans is gross. And then the, the other stranger, stranger girl came up. And then I made out with her some more. And then, yeah, that was that was pretty much the set. Where where was that set at? It was at the Vulcan Gas Company. Hell yeah! Uh, Shout out Vulcan. So when you uh, let's go back to you transitioning out of college, did you? We talked about this. You were heading to Texas, right? Or where did you want to go next? What was sort of that plan after your six months with that company, where you did quite literally nothing? 
<laughs> I did six months at a startup company in Chattanooga. It was a medical device startup company. And I lived in the house that the company bought. It was just some dude it was like, who looked like Tom Cruise and he was very charismatic. And uh, he was a vegan and he would sleep like two hours a day. He's like, wow. sleep is useless. But uh, one of those. Yeah. yeah. He was like a hippie that hates science, but also is like really gung ho about starting companies and uh, very attractive. Uh, and, uh, I did that for six months and I got fired, uh, because I argued and I was just basically like not really into it. Mm. Uh, and then I came back to Seattle, stayed with my parents and then I was listening to Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was like making stand up comedy seem like a martial art or something that you could get good at. So I was like, Oh, let's do that. That's a meritocracy. I can get better. I can improve myself and also be like a rock star, hopefully, when I become successful one day. Right. So I did that in Seattle. I started in Seattle uh, doing comedy there. So I want to I want to get in that headspace because I think it's really unique to have this opportunity to like hear your story about you coming up during when you pretty much are doing it. When you're in Seattle there, what is your first thought? Because like you're basically becoming an entrepreneur in your own extent by becoming a comedian. So did you think, oh, do I need a website? Should I just write, start writing? Should I go to open mics? What was sort of your your trajectory to begin the career? What did you think was the right thing? I was like, uh, I don't want to do anything else. This is not like a society that I want to build bridges for. I don't think yeah. you, I, mean, I don't think like we have like the right I mean, we don't, we don't need more manpower. We don't need more stuff. We need a change in direction more than we need, like, uh, you know, like a more powerful engine or like, let's go to space. Like, I don't think we're ready to go to space yet. I don't, I, I couldn't see myself contributing to this society in any other way than to make fun of it. Because I think that way we can change where we're going in our perspective. And I felt like art was also like not replaceable by robots uh, or uh, not, or it would be one of the last things to be re- replaced by robots. So it's like, I'm a person, let me utilize my humanity instead of like my uh, muscle power or like, you know, some useless thing like that. Like, uh, I wanted to emphasize uh, my personality and who I am and not just like get really good at making money, you know, uh, arbitraging sugar and. Mm-hmm. 80 or whatever um so i uh that that was like my mindset i was like i want to make fun of this world and that's like i couldn't i couldn't uh look at this world and like not make fun of it so i might as well just do that as much as i can so yeah that's why i I chose so fascinating actually because i feel like a lot of comedians in the beginning maybe want to get into it for that big of a uh, existential reason per se but i i really like that idea i, I can sympathize with it because i believe like philosophy and discussion is one of the most essential things to move forward or to move a society forward and i think it's so fascinating too like comedy is such a powerful tool and a powerful means in order to talk about maybe topics that might be uncomfortable or harder to talk about and so i think that's really unique that I honestly too, but maybe potentially because you started a little bit later, you had a like different lens too. And and also maybe hearing from that Rogan, I, I think that's super unique. So, you know, from a conceptual standpoint, why you're doing this, what did you start to do first? Did you buy a joke book and just start writing? Did you go find an open mic? Like what was the first uh, physical step of making comedy? Yeah. Joe Rogan always talks about open mics. So I went to an open mic and, uh, you know, I think I was writing before. I think I listened to Joe Rogan special and wrote down everything he said word for word. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just, I guess I started writing and watching and then I went to open mics and then went up at the second one that I went to and just started performing and writing and having the performance informed the writing and the writing informed the performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing ever since barely taking any time off. 
I love that too, because consistency is key, especially in this current like digital economy where everyone is absorbing all the time. Um, what is your creative process like? So I know you said you allow the show, the stage time to influence the writing and the writing to influence that. Could you maybe talk through like your process on a weekly basis in regards to that? Um, I guess I, every day I try to write 2000 words uh, nice. on my computer. Uh, that's about an hour. And then whenever I come up with an idea, I write it down on my phone. And then I go to open mics uh, at nighttime, as many as I can. Mm -hmm. um, and I try to hit three or four every night uh, and just perform as much as possible. And um, yeah, and then I guess I, I try not to have a job. I think jobs are very bad for the creative process. They take up too much time and make you think in a way that's very rigid. And also it uh, saps energy away. So I try to sleep as much as possible. I uh, eat whenever I'm hungry. Like I listen to my body and it's like, I try to live a comfortable, happy life. Sure. Uh, and I think that's really important to uh, longevity and just being in a happy state of mind and creative and flexible. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, cause I think if you're depressed, it might, it might be a little more hard to write comedy, but I guess a lot of depressed people are good comedians, but mm -hmm. I think, uh, it's important to take care of yourself and make sure you're not, uh, you know, just having a job just because you think that's, uh, how you become a good person or that's what everyone should do or whatever. But uh, yeah, my job is comedy, I guess. So I just like, I I give myself a good life. I party, I hang out with friends as much as possible and just put myself in a good headspace. And I think that's a good way to uh, make good comedy because if I'm up there depressed, then I won't be as funny as if I'm like just having a good time and having a party. That seems to be what Joe Rogan does. So sure. copying him again. You take a take a lot of inspiration from Joe. Is there any other comedians uh, personally? I know for me, I'm big fan, big fanatic for Joey Diaz. Um, I, I freaking I'm obsessed with his comedy style. Big fan of Anthony Jeselnik, of course. Big big fan of Rogan, Segura, Bert, all those guys. How about for you? What are what are some of your passions and inspirations for comedy? Um, I guess Mitch Hedberg is one of my favorites. Steve Martin hmm. did meta comedy before stand up comedy took off. Yes. Um, Bill Burr. But like the reason I like Joe Rogan is because he lets everyone into his life and shows us what he's doing. And it's like I can model myself after him because he shows us who he is. And I think that level of transparency and honesty is really uh, awesome. And then he happens to, he, I mean, he also lives an awesome life. So it's easy for me to copy right. because he shows us and because he makes it look entertaining. When you were uh, in Seattle, was that, did, did COVID hit and that's why you moved to Texas or how did you end up actually getting out to Texas? So I was in comedy. I was doing Seattle comedy for five years and then I did move to New York City okay. for three years. And then I was doing a road trip down to Miami in March of 2020 when the pandemic hit. So, but then I traveled all the way back to Seattle when my family March was fucking crazy with coronavirus holy shit. so yeah i didn't want to go back there so i went back to seattle and then uh from seattle i stayed there for like six seven months and then i moved down to los angeles and then coronavirus started getting bad again mm -hmm. so then i left uh and camped in the desert for about four months uh, in my van uh because i have a van life van like a sprinter van that i built out uh, which which I wanted to bring up the van. Uh, sorry, I got my little puppy. She's biting my cords. <laughs> oh, what a cute puppy. Is it a beagle? Yeah, her name is uh, Winnie. Little Win Win. That is like very, <laughs> look, looks like a beanie baby. <laughs> it's about the size of a beanie baby right now. <laughs> I heard their bark is really loud. She she does. I made sure to give her like a big rawhide before we started this and she finished it. So she like came over here to tug on my cords. <laughs> but no, it's she's so doing instinctual. Okay. I wanted to uh, talk about your Sprinter van. What's the current state of it? How is it doing? I know you got into a, an accident, but it wasn't your fault, right? Was No, 
Yeah, it was just parked on the side of the road and some drunk asshole hit it really hard. And I got it fixed. It drives a little wonky right now. The lights, like the sensors are all fucking off now. I don't have cruise control, but other than that, it's fine. Like structurally, it's fine. Cool. Just replace the struts. And I'm uh, living with my friend right now. Uh, but once I'm done with that, I'm going to go back into that van. So, How did you feel about your buddy's set on Kill Tony? Uh, I mean, he had multiple sets. I mean, he's uh, I love that dude. Uh, he's really funny, and uh, he gives me shit, and uh, I think it's good. Uh, he was great, making fun dynamic. of my ribs. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're good friends. Uh, we're going to New York soon. Really? Are you doing it? Yeah. So I wanted to ask, are you doing any tours or anything like that? Yeah, I'm going to New York, August 4th, August 8th. I'm going to uh, Seattle soon. I'm going to San Diego soon in September, late September. Uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, planning on traveling because I got this uh, Kill Tony regular spot and I kind of want to utilize it, make sure that uh, I'm getting my name out there, using it to get on shows and stuff. 100%. Yeah, that's that's how I first even got introduced to you was uh, when, Kill, when Kill Tony, or well, Tony himself, Hinchcliffe, brought you up and it was your first set and man, you just, you seemed so freaking natural up there. And the, your timing was so freaking good. I, I just, I loved the set. I was obsessed with it. And also your material, I think it's extremely relevant. I like, I like the perspective that you're coming at it from, which is, which is really nice. It's refreshing. Thanks, man. Yeah. Have, have that, was, you, uh, that was a huge opportunity. Yeah. What, uh, talk me through that. Were you nervous? Did you, so you put your name in a hat. Were you expecting to get called up? Do they pre-pick it? Or like, I feel like so many people get picked so often. Like, is that, is the bucket deep enough? Like, I guess in LA there were more people, but yeah, I was just in the bucket the first two times I got picked. And, uh, then I sang the national anthem cause Tony got canceled by a Chinese person. <laughs> so then, uh, he was coming back and he was like, if you, if, if you want a guaranteed spot, let me know. So I hit him up on Instagram and he was like, do you sing? Do you dance? Do you do Do you have any talents? And I was like, I can sing. And he was like, you want to sing the national anthem? And I was like, sure. So I did it. <laughs> and, uh, and then he gave me a guaranteed spot next week. So then I went up the week after that. And that, that was where uh, Alex Jones was at. And then that's when they gave me the regular spot. Uh, so yeah, that was like, I knew I was going to get called up for that one. They, they even said like, yeah, this guy sang the national anthem. So we're giving him a spot. So yeah, I got, that's when I became a regular and I, I didn't even expect it. I was just like, holy shit. I can't believe I get a reg, I get a guaranteed spot. All these other losers have to be in a bucket, <laughs> but I know I'm going up. So I, I was ready. I was psyched. I was like, man, uh, they, these people are like, oh, this isn't just a normal, so I was like, oh man, they, they, like they have expectations. So I, I went up there, jazzed up, and then I delivered the two or three jokes I had. Sure. And then they gave me the spot. So I was like, it was, it was a dream come true. And the best part of it was when I was getting, I got off stage and I walked back to the pen where they keep all the comedians at Vulcan. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, <clears throat> it was like Rudy or like uh, after a soccer game where everyone has like this big pile and uh they were all happy for me for whatever reason so we just all had like a, a great moment where there's like everyone was supportive and it, was, it was like one of the best experiences of my comedy career it's just the the love from the the scene that i'm part of right now I wanted to ask too. So when you're at these events, what is that atmosphere like in the pen? Cause that's the one thing when we're watching it online that we can't see. So what is that? Uh, what's like the backstage dichotomy like between all the comedians? It's like a really shitty uh, location. Cause you can't really see the show that well. Um, okay. It's like everyone's tense. Everyone's nervous, but everyone, when the show is hitting off, like everyone's watching it, it's uh, really really cool area back there because uh, all the comedians support the show and uh, they have to watch it. Like back in the day, they, there was an upstairs and people could just like tune out. But this way, everyone is in the show watching it and they're a part of it. And when they get called up, they uh, 
they they've been watching the show and they they know the energy and the feel so it's i don't know, i really like it yeah i think that definitely helps with the dynamic because i like to see the interplay between like the act that came before and the other acts so I, I definitely think that's a that's a good way how many people are helping produce the show is it literally just tony and red band on stage or is there tons of other people helping out yeah there's yoni there's uh the people that work at vulcan there's like the door guys that help michael lair get up and down uh, and then there's like the people who make the barbecue there's people that make the desserts it's like a whole whole team it's really um, crazy yeah that's that's super exciting have you uh what has your personal experience been like with tony have you guys had a chance to like talk outside of the show or is it sort of like just business and work you guys meet up there and then how has that been for you has it given you any pointers or tips or anything in a great relationship yeah he's always uh helping me out giving me advice and he's uh he 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 acts like a mafia boss where he's like uh helping the underlings and he's a very uh uh patriarchal i guess and uh yeah he's like we we talk and we have a personal relationship outside of the show and he's very uh keen on making sure that that happens so yeah it's a great relationship and it's like it's it's uh it's my wildest dream to actually be able to talk to tony and uh brian red band and it's like i've been watching the show forever so to be on it and as a regular is is like i get to be a part of my favorite show so it's really really cool yeah, but I'm I'm so happy to have this experience to talk to you. You seem so humble and 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 it's been so fantastic. I I what are your parents thinking about your current comedy right now? Are are they supportive? Are they loving it? Are they seeing the growth in your in your art form or how has that been? Yeah, they uh they're like, "Oh, you do." They come to they came one well, my mom came to a show and she's like, "Oh, you do it a little bit different than everyone else is doing it." So I guess that's a compliment. Uh, I guess I, I hope I approach it with the intelligence that they approach math with. So hopefully they can see the intelligence that it takes. And it's not just like stupid stuff, but like a uh, difficult puzzle and uh, a very difficult thing to do. Um, so hopefully they, they, they know that that's going on, but I haven't really talked to them in a while. I don't know if they know about Kill Tony um but yeah i mean it's i haven't really talked to them since i got the kill tony spot no kidding um yeah but hopefully uh, they're they're probably like oh it's a success you 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 gain success in this art form so hopefully they just take it like that without actually knowing the specifics sure sure um so i wanted to ask too what do you what is outside of comedy is like your passion or other hobbies that you do other interests of yours currently i like music i dabble in music uh i like basketball and stuff i do uh, i like starcraft too i think uh hell yeah esports is a really cool thing that i hope to be able to do and have some uh role in like maybe joe rogan does mma i could do esports yes <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not that good at uh, games. I only play StarCraft 2. Um, and uh, I love sports. I love, uh, I love music. Uh, what else do I do? I love camping. I just love, like, um, lifestyle blogging or vlogging or making TikToks and stuff. I was going to ask. That's really cool. Yeah, for your brand, have you thought about getting into like daily vlogging or expanding any of those sort of other social media means? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess podcasting is sort of a vlog. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I would love to be able to be able to get, be good at that, uh, to be able to be good at uh, talking in front of a camera and making it entertaining and showing people what I'm doing and making that entertaining. Mm. I wanted to ask too, what do you, what, what would you define as happiness? Um, I would say that happiness is, uh, the pursuit of, uh, 
a craft. I think humans are tools. And if we're not being used for something, then we don't feel fulfilled. And I think that our ultimate purpose is to make life better for those around us and our community. And I think uh, if we're making other people around us happy, uh, then then we will be happy. That's beautiful. No, I entirely agree, especially with that notion of we are like built to work. Like as humans, it's so funny. We, we, we so much want, like, we love freedom. We love relaxing times, but without initiative or without an actual like personal schedule or drive, all of that just feels so lackluster. And so I totally understand that sentiment of like wanting to pursue and find a purpose and then having that purpose intrinsically help the others around you. Um, I think we need a lot more people thinking in that regard, no matter what their industry is. So yeah, that's really cool. How is uh, holding relationships and being in a relationship um, one as a comedian, but two, just you know, as a man that's a little older than me, what is your what is your perception right now on relationships? Where are you at with that? Is that sort of like secondary right now because you're focused on making sure that your comedy is going good? Is that something that's coexisting with it? What is that relationship like for you in your life? I'm not uh, really dating too much. I haven't dated too much. I just uh, um, I I feel like relationships are. Uh, just like awesome and we should try to have more of them and it's like uh being honest and vulnerable and connecting with someone purely uh but i don't know i uh i i I haven't really had too many relationships and it's like i'm just like i'll figure that out later when i'm famous (laughs) (laughs) i like that yeah totally could you take me through uh, what is your daily schedule like right now? Give me an example of a daily schedule. So I wake up at like 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. And then I uh, take care of myself, brush my teeth, uh, eat. Uh, I don't eat. And then uh, <laughs> and then I try to write 2,000. Ideally, I would try to write 2,000 words when I wake up or like an hour after I wake up. And then I eat. Uh, and then I go out and I hit mics and shows and hang out with friends and talk to them. And then I come home at about midnight or 1am. And then lately I've been starting these games of settlers of Catan. So I invite like five or six people over and we all play settlers of Catan together. Oh, how long are your sessions usually? Hour and a half, two hours. Okay, that's we hard. play the big expansion packs or yeah and it's like it's just cool to hang out with people after the mics because it's i'm so used to just like the mics and then it's over and it doesn't feel satisfying but when you hang out with friends afterwards it's sort of more a better better way to end the day and like people seem to enjoy it and uh yeah it's like it's it's a it's a great addition to the scene i think it's it's a good thing to have. You can't just hang out with people at mics. I think it's good to uh, it's good to do other things with the people that yeah. I see and build real friendships. Sure. Do you find that it's uh, difficult to find people who are looking to build those genuine friendships uh, out in Texas or in an extremely populated area or being in the comedy scene? Or do you find that it's actually pretty easy and everyone's sort of looking for that as well? Yeah, I think everyone's looking for it. And uh, people who do comedy are like thinking similarly to me and they are sort of on the outskirts of society. So that's really, uh, we're in the same wavelength usually. And yeah, I think people crave friendships, especially now when like we have less friends than we did in the 70s or 60s. And I think uh, it's, it's, we're more aware. We're like, oh, look, I'm trying to make friends. I'm such a loser. But I think it's also like you got to go out of your way to do things and be awkward. And if you're okay with being awkward, then uh, you can live, uh, you can have, you can put yourself in situations where you can make friends because uh, you're not afraid of the awkward, awkward part of just admitting that you're trying to be friends with people. Yeah. Wow. I I like that. I've never really thought about doing that or thinking of it that way of like, hey, just 
be okay that it's going to be awkward and things can get awkward. And I feel like there's so there's like a level of reassurance that once you accept that that notion could be the baseline of your existence, well, it could probably only get better from there. Thank you for sharing yeah. that with me. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, your writings for 2000 words a day. Uh, is this free writing? Is this topic based writing? How is it going? And where does it go? And could you maybe share a few that you've had recently or ones that you're like, Oh, shit, that was a fucking great session. Um, I wrote, uh, I write 2000 words free writing, just whatever comes to mind, because usually it's difficult to think of that much stuff to say. But uh, yeah, uh, sometimes I'll have specific topics that I want to write about, because like, I want to improve this joke. So I'll just write what I actually think about this stuff, and then try to find comedy in what I said. Um, and something that I wrote recently is like, <laughs> it's like uh um i guess it's mostly about capitalism and all that stuff wealth inequality but also like uh get getting on a, a flight to uh another city and then i have a layover in like minneapolis and it's like what's uh like it's like they're they're happy with their final destination being minneapolis and that's just like a fucking pavement for me to transfer planes onto and it's like uh it's like oh you're this is this is you're happy with your life ending up here it's like uh but and then i and then i go to my final destination city so i guess a joke about layovers uh david lucas had a similar joke yesterday so i don't know if i sh i can do it anymore but um yeah, just we're writing about whatever observations and whatever I uh, think is funny or whatever I really want to talk about. Sure. Do you find that I know something Joe Rogan talks about is, or at least when during his come up is making sure like you're not having imposter syndrome or copying the people you're around because you're spending so much time with comedians. Is that something that you notice that you have to be very conscious of to not do? Is it easy for you? You don't really think about that or what's that dynamic like for you as a comedian? So like copying people because I'm near them. Um, I think that's uh, a superpower. And I, uh, I think it's good to copy other people because <clears throat> they are, uh, they have figured out something. And then if I can just borrow it or steal it, then uh, I can cut out all the work and get to it. And I think like in a scene, you're always informing each other and you grow up as a part of a scene. And uh, I think that's actually like a good thing. I think we should not have such a rigid definition of what an individual is because we are, we're always growing and we're always learning. And I think if we can take the best out of other people and utilize it within us, we can't even help but display our personality through the way that we uh, steal from others or our version of what we think another person is doing might completely be wrong but like in terms of it's not what they're doing but like in terms of like helping you it could really uh accelerate your career so i think like we should be one giant hive mind and we should inform each other and learn from each other and be a part of each other uh but uh yeah i mean i think it it, it makes us better and stronger to to copy each other but not too much. You can't steal word for word or like <laughs> difference between else's. copy copying and, or like I, it's like similar with the thing you said with jazz. It's like you can quote someone else's song or quote someone else's style, but definitely do not copyright it like verbatim. Right. You got to come up with something. You can't just repeat someone else's. You can't be a repeater. You just got to come show people your actual perspective instead of being so afraid that your perspective won't be good enough. So you just copy someone who is successful. Speaking of perspectives, how do you feel about the current climate for comedy? Do you feel like we are uh, slowly trending towards a less tolerable climate for comedy and for um, openness in the comedy world and people allowing and expressing and saying what they want? Or do you think we're moving towards a more tolerant? Um, what is what is your sort of thoughts on that? I think uh, comedy is like a respected art form and people know that they can't fuck with it too much 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think like the liberal PC cancel culture shit is like yeah. very small uh, force. And overall, like it's easy to just focus on that little negativity, that little nagging little shit on the side, on the bottom of our ass. But I think overall the, the ship is like heading towards more comedy. I think uh, people respect it and it's like a very intellectual, it, it, it's getting more respect intellectually. I think people are like, oh, this is like a helpful way to think about the world is that we should be open to comedy and stuff. Um, but I think like in general, our society might be heading uh, into our final death throes. So I think like overall, like we're all heading downward. <laughs> um, sure. But comedy is like, I think going up and in, in, within the general malaise of our society because we like don't know who we are or what we should be doing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think comedy can help us get out of that death spiral. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Do you have a bucket list or some things that you're like, before I die, I need to do this? Um, just like gain mainstream success and have my voice uh, make an impact or like talk to as many people who will listen and gain like what I deserve, whatever my skill level is and whatever audience is willing to listen. Uh, just, just like... I feel like I haven't reached it yet. Like I, uh, I, I just want to, uh, I just want to fulfill my potential and just, uh, you know, have, have an impact on where the world is going or like on, on the people who live on this planet with us. Uh, just like, you know, just exist and, you know, be a part of the, 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 the direction of where we're headed, I think would be nice. Uh, hopefully I have uh, good things to contribute um, and just like becoming a better person and just like writing great jokes and having great, pers- like a uh, great takes or whatever, you know, like a good perspective on things and utilizing uh, my uh, perspective to the best of my abilities. But yeah, other than that, like, or like a house or like air conditioning and heating and but that stuff like i don't really whatever you know like that'll come i don't really have to go pursue it it's everywhere mm. a lot of idiots have ac and heating so i like that I, I i'm it's pleasant to hear that you know you've you've personally discovered a more intrinsic value in being happy and pursuing what feels the most correct inside of you rather than chasing per se you know where i'm living or a materialistic sense you're like you know i'll let the rest of the world around me come but i'm just going to focus on like these more important essential values um, for myself which is really really it's beautiful it's it's honestly it's something that i think a lot of people are missing right now is like that internal sense of purpose of finding their own passion for for just loving and being alive and i yeah. think once you do find that um it does like spread and give to others. So that's, that's super, super cool. Thank you for sharing that one. Um, I wanted to touch per se, what is maybe your biggest fear uh, in life now uh, as you're, you know, becoming older and, and as you're going down this comedian route and how do you either cope with that and or overcome that? I guess my biggest fear is uh, obsolete, becoming obsolete or marginalized or like, oh, this is just whatever. Uh, I guess I overcome that by constantly trying to write great jokes or understand the world better so I can comment on it. Just doing the work of uh, writing jokes and uh, thinking correctly. It's like working on my thought patterns or like interacting with others and like not burning bridges, trying to work on my social skills and not being a grump because uh, it's easy to become a grump in uh, comedy. Oh, I'm, I'm but, sure with, especially with the sleep schedule, I'm, I can't imagine what that does from a chemical perspective on the brain neurologically. Like I'm, 
crazy hours of the night, um, have, you know, in substances, being in that environment, the serotonin rush of having a crowd hear you laugh, all of that, I'm sure it, it becomes extremely, um, depriving to the, to the, uh, restoration that we need as humans. So I, I can totally respect that and needing to yeah. make sure you're, you're keeping that space. Do you meditate? Do you, do you have a specific diet you use? What are maybe some, um, key like objective things you do that are helping with your healthy habits of life? I, uh, eat mostly meat, um, like the oh, paleo yeah. diet. Um, and I think that keeps me healthy. Um, I, uh, I don't meditate. I, I feel like the writing is very helpful keeping like, Oh, there's like a logical voice in my head. Uh, so that helps keep me sane. Uh, and just friends and just hanging out with good friends and making sure that I'm hanging out, going paddle boarding or like going scuba diving or whatever, mm -hmm. doing little things and uh, just taking care of myself. And yeah, I mean, maybe I shouldn't drink so much. I drank so much last night, but I usually don't do that. I usually smoke more than I drink. Yeah. But yeah. Not smoking so much either. That's I'm, I'm that exact same way, but last night was same for me. Like I drank more than I usually do, but I think too, it was, I was around good company. I was inspired yeah. to enjoy the experience more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't mind me asking, what is your spirituality, um, per se? Um, I, uh, I, I guess I'd have to, I'd have to know specifically like what, uh, what the, issues are and depending on the issues i might be more or less spiritual but i guess i'm an atheist mm. um i think there's a spirituality towards to, to science like a black hole and like the size of the universe and our size in it and that's awe-inspiring and spiritual to me uh, but i think yeah. like with organized religion there's a lot of bullshit in it that's more nice. about control than it is about uh helping individuals but uh yeah, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I think like just knowing about the world is more spiritually enriching than like some ancient traditions. I agree. That's sort of that's sort of where I'm at right now is I'm having I was having a lot of existential angst as to like I don't feel fulfilled by partying. I don't feel fulfilled necessarily by doing what a lot of the peers at my similar age range are doing. Like I'd rather be discovering, learning and reading books from people who came before me. You know, there's so much history and richness to get from others and other experiences. And I, I just couldn't imagine not wanting to continue fulfilling and learning that that path of cognitive interest. Yeah. What huh. is uh what is the thing that you are most grateful for on a daily basis? Um, I guess the, uh, the friends that I have, I think that's really important. Um, I'm grateful that, uh, this exists, that I can do this, that we live in a close, a society that has enough that we can, uh, goof off and have fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm grateful for like all the people that have been helpful and like, we, the, this is a big community and I'm just glad to be a part of the scene, the comedian scene. And it's like, like it's not just competition. They're like, we're, we're a family, we're a cult. So I guess I really like the comedy scene. Hell yeah. Yeah. You've found your, your, your home per se, like in an industry, which is, yeah. that's exciting. Um, I wanted to maybe ask and get to, have you had fans now? Are you having more fans? Do you find that as you gain more popularity, do you like to interact with the fans? Do you think you, like, what is your perception on the relation with the people that, that are following your, your media and content? Um, yeah. I mean, I haven't really had too many interactions. Like someone gave me free shoes. That was really nice. And people oh, contributed yeah. to my GoFundMe, which is super nice. Do you want to shout that um, out by the way? The Roscoe Mara shoes or the GoFundMe? The GoFundMe. Oh, yeah. It's on my Twitter and my Instagram. It's like I got uh, $3,800 plus $500 towing. 
So it's $4,300 worth of damage on my car. So I'm just trying to recoup that. And hopefully I can sue the guy and uh, fuck him over a little bit. Did he leave a note or anything? No, the police were right there. So he just left. He he left his car there, locked the doors and bounced. No way. Damn. Yeah. What is, uh, would you recommend van life, bus life, or RV life? Uh, It really depends. I mean, I like van life because I'm in the city all the time Mm -hmm. and it's stealthy and I'm doing comedy. So I have to be in the city, but depending on what you're going for, RVs are definitely bigger and better, but harder to park and harder to hide. Right. Uh, Bus, same thing. Uh, And it's a lot more work with the bus. You have to build everything out. Mm. Uh, And it depends on how much money you have. Uh, If you don't have much money, just a car will do. uh, Yeah, I mean, if you're going to live in a house long term or in a car long term, uh, you might as well just buy one really nice van and live in it for five years as opposed to like buying three shitty vans that mm. you have to buy new any anyways. So um, that's what I did. I just bought a Sprinter van because it's like perfect for the city and also big enough for me to live comfortably for a long period of time. Sure. What's your setup like? Like if you had to give me a virtual tour through it, what is what is your setup like in yours? Um, so there's like the kitchen that you walk into and then uh, the sliding door opens and you see like the kitchen area with a sink and uh, where I put my hot plate. And then to the left of that is the uh, bed. And that's pretty much it. Uh, there's like heater. There's a heater and there's a, a sunroof and there's solar panels. I got battery. Uh but yeah, that's uh, yeah, and then I have storage under the bed. But yeah, that's it's pretty pretty simple. Was it a pre-built or did you personally design yours? I made it all myself. Hell yeah. Um, some of the electrical work was done before, but I swapped most of it out and replaced it. And other than that, it was just empty. So I built everything. I built overhead cabinets. So yeah, it's it's my baby. If I'm a young comedian right now and even in your situation, is it more beneficial for me to stay as an independent comedian or is it, am I trying to get picked up by management? What is, what is the goal from a business perspective in regards to managing? Well, I wish there was that that was an option for young comedians, but most comedians don't have the option to be picked up by management. Mm. Uh, the scene is like very ragtag and there's no money in it. You're just doing open mics for free. Uh, and you just have to keep doing it for the love of it. I mean, would management help? I don't know. It's just not uh, a thing that we have to think about because it's not an option, which it would be nice if it was. But um, yeah, I mean, for a young comedian, I would say just love comedy, love writing jokes and love talking to an audience and getting to tell them how big your dick is or whatever you happen to talk about. Uh, Because that's all you're going to, you're going to have uh is all you have is like the fact that you're talking to people and if you don't love it then you're probably not going to last very long so just like if 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 you went to a bar uh it'd be awesome if you could just get on a microphone and be like hey everyone you guys are doing something wrong and let me tell you why and you know like that that urge to like talk to people i think is what will keep people in the game it's like the fact that you're talking to people that's that should be that should be your love that should be what you like about comedy sure do you ever worry on stage that you're going to run out of things to say or like you just have no idea what direction to go in or that something will flop so hard that you can't recover the audience's attention (laughs) yeah i mean some of my ideas are more you know uh not fit for consumption but uh (laughs) hopefully i get all that out at open mics and then at at the show i only do things that i know will work but then you have to take risks and some things might be a little more risky but yeah there's always that worry um but it's like oh i'll get them back with the next joke or like figuring out how to finesse it um 
but yeah, there's there's always a worry that you're going to bomb. You just have to perform well enough where it doesn't happen. How would you go about finding your true voice on stage? Like, did, like I feel like maybe when someone goes up that like specifically on Kill Tony, when I see someone who's literally never touched a mic before, <laughs> they go up and they try and put on a persona. And like I could tell with you, you've breaking you've broken that barrier just from time and experience and now when i go up there it is it is a true reflection of you giving me co- comedy what is how is that process and like how do you break past that i guess just going up there and saying a bunch of shit and then seeing which one makes you feel the best like if you go up there and say things that aren't really you then you're going to feel bad and you're not going to keep wanting to do it but if you say things that you like saying and then the audience laughs as well then it's like uh, yeah, it's just like it's it's uh, it, you got to think about it and you got to feel it out. It's like both. Um, yeah, you got to you got to feel good saying it. So like if if you are dumb enough where you feel good saying stupid shit, then I guess that's your voice. But if you have the intelligence to be like, oh, the audience didn't like this. And I was just saying this because I wanted to brag about how smart I am or how many women I have sex with. <laughs> then it's like uh then then you you'll find your true uh voice based on what uh repulses you about yourself mm, i like that i like that okay cool um when what do you how do i i all right i'll just say it the right how, what is the meaning of life in your opinion um, just to help each other, just to help the project uh, that we're all a part of in humanity to progress, whatever that might be. Um, yeah, just it's a, a, about our species or our planet. Uh, yeah, just to help help that big thing move forward because mm. that's what we are. We're humans, uh, which is, we're a part of the human race. So. I feel like that's our purpose is the thing that's larger than ourselves. I like that. Do you ever use um, philosophy or um, writing or theories about becoming a more better constructed creator of comedy? Do you ever look at like, you know, uh, books on persuasion techniques or how to do audience control or books on philosophies in the principles of comedy? Do you ever do any of that like uh, structural, maybe more academic style of trying to understand the craft? Yeah. I mean, I think everything is philosophy. So like even when I'm watching Avatar or like, you know, any piece of media you consume is like teaching you about something or like Band of Brothers or like watching uh, how Navy SEALs train. Uh, that's all a part of it. So I guess I don't explicitly go looking for specifics about crowds or comedy um, because I like to keep that pure and sort of not uh, be so analytical and anal about it because most of the people that write books about that stuff are sort of weaselly, like snakes, snake oil salesmen. Yeah, so they, I don't they, really want to. Not co- comedians themselves, actually. Yeah. Because it's it's shouldn't be about like reading a book and being like oh I should uh, you know like uh, lift my hand up when I talk or some bullshit it should be like something more pure from the core and that kind of stuff you can't like have a checklist for you you can't just be like oh if I smile and talk loudly then I'll be a good person it's like uh, I think that kind of stuff is more. Like, I, I don't learn from, like, people telling me, like, oh, this you got to do these three things if you want to be a good comedian, because I don't think it is that simple. I think I learn better from watching people who are good at whatever craft they are doing, like sushi making or, like, shrimp boat captain. But, um, sure. Uh, do you know, uh, it, would it be okay if we uh, cut it short right here? Yeah. Wait, did you... Okay. I have, uh, could I ask, I have one more question that I ask all of my guests, if you don't mind sure. me asking. Yeah. No um, if you had to give one last piece of wisdom to someone who may be young, they might be old, they might be going through a life crisis, they might be just starting their life. What is the one lasting piece of wisdom you would give them? <laughs> uh, that's difficult because I, I don't want to seem like I'm like, uh, you know, like acting better than other people. Sure. Uh, but if I had to tell tell like every like everyone something 
Um, I guess, I guess in America, I would just say like uh, the individual is uh, an illusion or whatever. Like we should, we should be more aware of how we're impacted by things around us and how we impact the things around us and to try to think larger picture than just the individual because the individual is intellectually not as complex as a group. And if you just think about yourself or just one person, you're not going to be as smart or as uh, able to predict the future as someone who looks at the whole system. So it's maybe we should like focus more on the larger picture than on our own individual experiences. And that way our own individual experiences will become better because we are more aware of what's around us. Fantastic. I think that's a fantastic answer. And I want to give you a chance to plug anything you want to plug before we finish up here. I'm on Instagram and Twitter uh, at DJ Hans Kim. Uh, Hans Kim on YouTube. Hans Kim on Facebook. Uh, Yeah, I put all my stuff out there. All right. Well, thank you, Hans, so much for taking the time to join me today for an episode of Humanistic Perspective. And folks, thank you for tuning in and watching this episode. Have a good one. Peace. All right.